what's up hello it's Jordan Kamel here with rushing to the end game welcome back I am your host and I am always joined by my lovely host Keenan hi guys yeah this is Keenan the the the, the regular co-host of this show the forever co-host of this uh, show mm-hmm, exactly we just watched Captain America the first Avenger the first Avenger mm-hmm. yeah I liked this one I really like this this one this is a good one I feel like we're getting kind of like into the more different superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Like they're all starting to have their own kind of identity. Yeah, which is fun. The first three are definitely like samey. It's just like what is what is this film? Is that it's a superhero movie, right? And with Thor, it gets really off track. But this one's very much like this is a World War Two movie that has a superhero right. in it. This is a period piece, basically. Mm-hmm. So. And I think they did a good job with it. Yeah, I I'm kind of a sucker for World War Two kind of era film mm-hmm. and uh, stories, mm-hmm. just because I think it was a very interesting time. For sure. Um, but yeah, I I have a whole lot of good feelings about this movie in general. Just like uh, character Chris Evans mm-hmm. or the actor Chris Evans playing Captain America, Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. I think. He does a really good job of making you want to root for him as, like, the underdog yeah. kid from Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, they definitely did scale him down a little too much. Yeah, which is the first observation, like, that I made. Like, even aside from, like, the flashback at the beginning. No, not a flashback. Mm-hmm. The present-day shot where they're, they find him covered in ice. Mm-hmm. Um, that really didn't leave an impression on me. What did was weird CG Chris Evans had on Teenage child body yep. and i think that's where it went wrong was that it was like not a man's body at all no it was not that men can't look like that but right. um it does just make him look with particularly how inexperienced and young he's supposed to be anyways it makes him look like he's supposed to be 16 and he's supposed to be like 22 21 yeah but just like small yep but that's not what comes through. Yeah. Also, is his family alive? Is he an orphan? Uh, I think both of his parents died in the war, was what he was saying when he first attempts to get enlisted. Right, but when it... That wasn't his first attempt that we see, because Bucky's like, what, you're saying you're from New Jersey? So, like, it is supposed to be that his parents are dead, I guess, but he's also lying about who he is. So that was unclear for me on whether or not he was actually... Uh, his parents had actually died or not. Right. I Oh, so, gotcha. I see what you're saying. I My understanding is that his parents are dead. Yeah, but, I think that's right. But it just, then when Bucky's like, ah, oh, you lied about things, it, it becomes unclear. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Uh, uh, it was good. Yeah, and they have that, like, good early moment of him getting beat up by the jerk guy at the movie theater, and mm-hmm. we... We get that famous Steve Rogers line of, I can do this all day, Mm -hmm. which comes back in this movie and in future movies because because Marvel had to do that. They make it a a saying and he just just keeps saying it. We also get our first introduction to Bucky, Mm -hmm. uh, who is a character that I do not like in the movies going forward, but in this movie, I... I, I buy into their, like, chumminess and, like, being good friends. Yep. Because they have a good back and forth, kind of. Yep. And they're... I think he's a good character in this movie, and the fact that, skipping forward, he dies on the train. Yeah. Um, it is very much like, yep, he... It's, you know, sacrifice. It's a big sacrifice for Captain. 
it gets him to that emotional uh, maturity. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense with this film. It, it, I mean, I know in the comics he survives World War Two and yeah. becomes the Winter Soldier and even becomes Captain America later. Yep. But like, it does make it confusing going forward that Bucky's just alive and it's just like, oh yeah, the Russians got him from the Alps in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> they just happen to be there. You know, after he fell hundreds of feet from a moving train. Yep. In the mountains. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's fine. Uh, he but, lost his arm. Oh, the, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. Good point. Uh, realistic, then. Yeah. They, they, they did a good job. Also realistic is how, um, excuse me, uh, Steve Rogers gets discovered by uh, the Dr. Abraham Erskine. Mm-hmm. Which, They're at the Stark Expo. Yep. Which we've seen before in Iron Man 2. Yep. Which made the Stark Expo weird because in Iron Man 2... It's the 60s. Right. Not 1943. True. So or 44. Was that supposed to be the first expo then? I guess so, yeah. Huh. It might not have been just the Stark Expo. It might have been just like... So they just kind of... Whatever expo. So they just kind of retconned that a little bit. Yeah, because they definitely... Um, the guy playing Howard Stark is older. Yes. In, uh, is like aged up in the pre-film and it is supposed to be the 60s because it's 100% supposed to be when Disney World was built right like yeah they they very much uh, picked from that kind of imagery in the Disney like Walt Disney I'm showing you Disney World Mm -hmm. stuff yeah and he looks like uh, it looks like the exact same footage of like Walt Disney being like totally welcome to my park welcome to my park except this is welcome to the future town the future yeah. Uh, so yeah, we just get a chance encounter with the doctor, mm-hmm. which is extremely fortunate. Which like is fine, but like, and like the subject of conversation between Bucky and Steve is just like, oh, I'm so weak. I weak, weak. I can't be into army weak. You don't get it, Bucky. This isn't about me. This is about everyone else is dying, and so I should too for America. Uh huh. I'm I'm selfish. So yeah, we get him. We get the serum. Well, we get the um, we get boot camp first, of course. Mm-hmm. So we're int- introduced to Tommy Lee Jones's character, Perf, <laughs> and uh, Pe- Peggy Carter. Yeah, yeah. Who I I really like Peggy mm-hmm. in this movie. I think she like her character and that actress deserved the spinoff they got, even though I never watched them because yep. I'm bad at watching TV. Yep, terrible at watching TV. Uh, I agree though; she was a good character. And uh, they had a good chemistry between the two of them, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Evans and um, Peggy. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, it was weird, though, that in the middle of the film they had um, uh, that Terrell... Uh, oh, Natalie Dorner? Natalie Dorner come in and be like, oh, I'm going to kiss you here. And then they had this... I don't know. It just seemed superfluous. They didn't really need it. Yeah, like, it just kind of felt like they had to have that... Uh, cliche of like main character getting roped in by uh, by this temptress of mm-hmm. a woman as mm-hmm. soon as the main love interest walks through the door mm-hmm. it's like okay like and then she can be like I'm mad at you Captain America but I'm not really mad at you yeah oh I still love you speaking of which can we just say real quick so Captain America's a virgin right yes okay is that canonical with the comics too of him? Because in in present time too, oh man, he has no romantic interest, right? 
Right. Yeah. So he's just a virgin. Not that that's a bad thing. It's just a weird thing to like. For writers to just be like, hey, this this is his life. He's not gonna get any. Because we get him early, and he's basically like, yeah, no women wants me. They're even like, ah, there's 3.5 million women in New York, and he's like, I just settle for one. And so it's given of like, eh, he's not a ladies' man. And then later it's like, the one woman he falls in love with. Finally, some women show him show him a uh, interest. He doesn't do it with any of them because he's waiting for you know Peggy. Peggy. Then he gets frozen for 70 years. And then, and then he has no romantic interests after that. Until he gets with Peggy's granddaughter. Oh yeah. Which is really weird, because they meet at Peggy's funeral. Booyah! <laughs> Ooh, what a move. Yeah. <laughs> getting, getting with the granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And that's always an implied romance as well. Like, there's no, um, there's no actual... Well, romantic like, scenes. Yeah, I mean, there's no romantic scenes between um, uh, I'm gonna uh, Pepper Potts and Tony Stark, but you know they're getting down. True, because you know, like Tony Stark's character is like, that's that's what he does. Yeah, that's what he does to to women. Yep, <laughs> he has sex with them. We got sidetracked on something that doesn't really matter, but it's just an interesting like side yeah. caricature of him being like so ready to just like lay down his life, and he has. No family at home. No real girl at home except for Peggy Carter. Yep. It's just like a weird, like, he has really nothing huge to sacrifice except for his life. Right. That's the only thing that he has. And, like, he's always willing to lay it down for what he considers is the greater good. Mm -hmm. Which I think is really cool that they made that central to his character. Mm -hmm. Because it works really well going forward. And you can, like, really understand his motivations. Mm -hmm. And why he does what he does in the future movies. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think the grenade scene is really, like, good for showcasing that when Tommy Lee Jones just chucks it and everybody runs away except yeah. for Steve Rogers jumping on the grenade. I mean, that is 100% the save the cat moment yep. of this film is you got to show that he's a good guy right? early. Yeah. Oh, he jumps on the grenade, yep. which is a great scene. It's, yeah, it's good. I actually accidentally took a phone call and... Uh, Jordan just paused it there, and I was like, no, 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 you can, you, like, I'm still watching. And he was like, no, 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 it's this a, is a good, good scene. scene. This, this is core to the Steve Rogers character. It is. Um, but yeah, uh, we still moving through the film. Yeah, and uh, we're shortly there introduced to the main villain of the film, Hugo Weaving, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Uh, Johan Schmidt. Yeah. yeah, Red Skull. Red Skull, yeah. yeah. Um, which I thought was interesting because they, like, you're immediately convinced of their sinister. Sin- is sinister? How do you make sinister an adjective? There's it just is an adjective, isn't it? Yeah, they're sinister plans. They're sinister behavior. They're, I was going to say they're a more sinister organization than uh, the Nazis somehow. Yep. And they convince you of that really easily, mostly by association of being friends with the Nazis and being like the Nazi scientists that develop weapons and stuff. But, I mean, the thing is, is that I was actually thinking about that when we were talking about, like, they they were more evil. Were they more evil? I would say so. they, at least, they didn't talk anything about, like, genocide. They were just wanted to take over the world instead of the Nazis. It was almost like they were a, uh, a group inside the Nazis that didn't actually... 
the, like, I'm not saying they're good. They're also evil. Right. The right. movie definitely projects like they're more evil than Nazis. Totally. But Nazis were really fucking evil. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Like. And they didn't go into the like. Uh, they didn't seem super genocidal. I guess. I mean, I guess it was more like they didn't care about killing anybody, and they wanted to take over the world. Right. They but, wanted like to kill everything yeah. that opposed them, and not. I don't think they had so much. They did have like a inkling of a superior race kind of conversation because Red Skull got the serum before the serum was complete, mm-hmm. and he saw himself as like the beginning of a superior race. So yeah. they kind of have the Aryan thing. Yeah, they going want, on. But it wasn't so much Aryan as much as like Aryan. He, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, the yeah. um, they want he wanted to create the new master race. And right. So I don't know. There's definitely a race thing in there, but it it is like if you're trying to say it group of people are worse than the nazis i think it's kind of a tough sell because nazis like right (laughs) it's hard to like one-up nazis Mm -hmm. like and then also really willing to go some places yeah some really dark places because that's what's um one of the great things about like storytelling in world war ii is that i feel like in any wars after that it becomes very mixed of like yeah, like, we want to support the American troops in Vietnam, but this is kind of an unjust war, and we killed right. a bunch of people who were innocent and all these things like that. But it's like World War II is the last war where it's like, no, 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 Nazis. Yep. So. It's really, it's the easiest good guy versus bad guy. Um, shorthand that you can have. Right, that actually happens. Yep. Um, so, it, it, I mean, it makes the storytelling very easy. Um, right. And it's also an interesting time because the whole world could have changed on a, you know, right. on a dime, so it's very high stakes and crazy. Totally, which is, stakes is definitely something that's kind of felt missing from a lot of these movies in the first phase. Mm-hmm. Like, everything has just kind of felt like fun, fun, happy time, superhero mm-hmm. uh, shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, there's always, like, the, not always, but there's a ton of the, like, uh, the world is at stake with this. Oh man, this is the first step into doing this, to doing that, to doing this, and it'll take over the world. But it is very insular. Right. It's not like, hey, like people are going to like be ruined forever. Mm-hmm. Like the entire history of the planet will change due to the outcomes of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's more like, oh, New Mexico, small town's gonna get blown up, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and Thor might die. Yep. Uh, Monaco has a fight scene in it, but. Eh. Right. It's kind of like still small potatoes. And I think it has a lot to do with after the first phase, they basically just take it into a different direction with the Avengers movie of like everything's different. Yeah. Like this is the same type of universe, but it's a different universe than ours. Yep. Whereas like all the previous movies are like this could be the same world that we're living in right now. You just didn't hear about Captain America and World War Two right. and all of it. You know, like it's, it's very... Uh, soft-handed and it becomes very heavy-handed yeah of like this is a different world right so totally yeah um so yeah hydra they have the tesseract which is our first uh viewing like proper of the tesseract in action Mm -hmm. so they're harnessing all of that energy to make some kick-ass guns that just vaporize people Mm -hmm. um including nazis yep yeah (laughs) because they're just like nazis are in the way we're worse than the nazis vaporize the nazis yep instead of like you think they would try and like recruit more of them like because 
you can imagine they only have so many people that they can outfit with these weapons. And yep. it would be nice if they could get some sympathizers to come over to their side since they're already linked in with the Nazis. Yeah, there's... If this was, like, a... If it didn't have to follow any rules of, like, what we know happened in World War II... Right. It would be better in this story if Red Skull had killed Hitler and taken over the mm-hmm. Third Reich. Right. You know? And been like, this is where we're going now. Yeah. It's a whole army is this. Yeah. And, like... Uh, Steve Rogers stops it, but right. that's not what happens. It's almost like the Hydra need to be like an Illuminati type figure because, like, yeah. they're secret science society, yeah. which they become so when they like infiltrate the U.S. government and stuff yeah. later. So, so weird. maybe that's why they go that route. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like the part at the end of the film. Well, uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Go oh. ahead with the next part. Uh, I was gonna say so. Now we have Steve Rogers kind of just going on a bail bond, not bail bonds, a war bonds tour. War bond, bail bonds tour. <laughs> of the United States just yeah. selling stuff because he becomes a mascot. His scientist buddy gets mm-hmm. shot by a Nazi. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this I think this part kind of stalled the film a little bit for me. Like mm-hmm. I got what they were going for, but it felt like they could have shortened this segment up a little bit they i mean they played it up i think the i mean it was like a montage yeah um and i think they played it maybe too long but they wanted that contrast of him in the united states being the emblem of it to them him being at the uh overseas service like thing for the soldiers and the soldiers mm-hmm. being like we don't care about you you know <laughs> yep, like, so i think they all suck i think they just needed yeah. they felt that like they needed to build it up before they change it on us so totally yeah i mean i think it happens in every movie where they spend too much time trying to right in that in between like part um it, i you, you need to build the story but you're trying to try, trying to take as many shortcuts as possible to yeah. get the same ending yeah, it would. I think what would have been nice is like some sort of training montage because they transition right out of this scene into Steve Rogers saving an entire captured uh, troop of mm-hmm. soldiers mm-hmm. in Hydra like mm-hmm. prison, and the whole time I kept thinking like, how is he doing this? How is he doing this? He went to boot camp for like a week. Yeah, but he's a super <laughs> soldier. And then we, we skipped the scene where he chased down that Hydra agent who had the Batmobile submarine. Yeah. That was... He was running faster than cars and also swimming faster than a submarine. It was pretty cool and pretty silly. Yeah. Uh, pretty great. But um, I guess it's just supposed to be assumed that, like, he's just a superhero. He doesn't right. need training because of the <laughs> serum. Like, we're watching a superhero movie. Y'all came to see a superhero. He does superhero stuff. Yeah. And that's all the explanation they give you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And then it goes pretty... I think things pick up pretty quickly after that. Like, mm-hmm. just... You get a fighting montage of him yep. actually fighting in Europe. Which is fun. Then you get the failed train mission where Bucky dies... Yes. And uh, then you just get, like, a bunch of, like, heartfelt stuff between him and Carter, and then taking down the Hydra base and worst fighting ever. They were literally standing (laughs) with nothing in between them, firing guns at each other. Yep. 
and it's like, what? This is not how people fight. What are you doing? <laughs> just a mass of bodies. It was literally Civil War era tactics of just like one guy's like shooting. He's like, come on, and he had no cover and was ten feet away from a guy with a with a lightning cannon. Yep. Yep. So yeah, uh, Steve he confronts Red Skull one more time. Takes him out. No, the Tesseract takes Red well, Skull out. Yeah, that was... Cr- I completely forgot that this even happened, that the Tesseract sucked him up into space. But it then stayed like there. kind of, like, vaporizes him. Yeah, but, like, you see, then it cuts outside the thing, and you see the, like, shoot oh, up yeah, through the plane. It's pulled up. And then, like, the plane's just whatever, and the Tesseract falls into the ocean. Yep, since it's, like, pure energy. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know, it's just, like, that's weird. Yeah. And I know we see Red Skull again... But I actually don't think I've seen a movie where he's been in it again. Because he's not in the next Captain America. Right. Yeah, he's just... It's like they forget about that scene. Is he not in it until um, uh, Infinity Wars? Correct. Yeah, weird. Uh, I wasn't going to mention that because that was a pretty big, like, moment. Like, watching that movie for the first time is like, holy crap, they brought him back. Yeah, but it's not Hugo Weaving in that movie. No, it's not because he had some other stuff that he wanted to do probably yeah then be a cameo <laughs> yeah uh but yeah so, so um yeah i know I, I mean things get spoiled for me all the time so i haven't seen a lot of these movies but i know what happens in fair almost all of them i'd say um just because you can't escape it in our culture right now just everybody's right. geared towards yep talking about the newest thing yep uh, so jordan yes what was your favorite scene in the movie my favorite scene in the movie? Or you're the one that sticks out the most? The one that sticks out the most. Um, man, shoot. I don't... I'd say, like, the grenade scene. Yep. If that's my easy pick for mm-hmm. that is him jumping on the grenade and, like... Per- well, not pretending, but no. thinking that he's going to save everybody mm-hmm. was pretty good. Yeah. thought that was pretty powerful. I agree. I mean, that's the, the whole base of the character yep. in one scene. Yep. Yeah, so that's a good scene. I'd say my favorite scene is when the colonel uh, is eating dinner with the Nazi scientist, with yeah, the Hydra scientist, and he good. recruits him. That was good. Because that actually happened in World War Two. was that we just totally excused a bunch of Nazi scientists so that they as joined us they instead us. of the communists. That's, yeah. So that was kind of cool. And then it also sets up that in... In, uh, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was able to infiltrate Hydra into the military com- industrial complex of the United States. Totally. So it makes it makes sense in future films, and it's kind of nice, not just in this film alone, of like, this uh, happened. We kind of forgave a lot of Nazis mm-hmm. for doing some terrible things mm-hmm. um, to fight communism. So. So yeah. do you've got a score in mind for this? I do have a score in mind for this. What I'm, you got? I'm gonna go with a seven. Seven? Yeah. I like this movie a lot. I'd rewatch it uh, any day of the week, basically. It's just a it's a fun movie. It's a period movie. It's the first one that, as we were saying, is like, it's a World War II movie with a superhero instead of, it's a superhero movie. Right. Totally. So, um, I'm, I like it. I'm also going to give it a seven out of cool. ten for those reasons. Uh, like, the writing's good. Mm-hmm. The interactions between the characters are solid. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to do something unprecedented, though. What? I'm going to bump Thor down to a six. Oh, my God. Because I like this movie better than Thor. That's fair. So, boom. It's official. It's official. And we got a pizza that's done, and yeah, we've yeah. got uh, an Avengers movie to watch. Avengers! So, we will see you back here for that Bye, in everybody. a short bit. <laughs>